Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I thank you for today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like me.
Listen. There's somebody here. You're a lady. I don't want to call you out because of the nature of your issue. But while we were worshiping, I heard. It's like I saw you a few days ago disturbed because of a spirit, a demon spirit that has been attacking you in your sleep constantly and using you. It has been using you. You know what I mean. God right now is separating you from that thing. He's delivering you totally 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 and those pains you've been experiencing sometimes in the lower abdomen the Lord delivers you now. Now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. If you're sick of anything, start to receive your healing now. God is delivering somebody. God is healing somebody. If you're sick, start to receive your healing now. Somebody with a kidney issue, God is healing you now. God is healing people here. There is somebody, your hands have been paralyzing. Your hands have been paralyzing. Right now, the power of God is going through your hands. God is delivering you right this very moment. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. There's somebody with a pain you've been having just above your stomach, below your chest, in the middle here. In fact, as I'm touching it right now, God is healing you right this very moment. You came with a pain. Receive it now. 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 God is delivering somebody. You see, poverty is a spirit. And I see something like that lift off somebody. Be delivered right now in the name of Jesus. 
be delivered right now in the name of Jesus. You will not lack. You will not lose. You will not struggle. Again in the name of Jesus. Whatever your need is, whoever you are here, just tell God your need now. He's meeting it. I see him paying debts. There's somebody. This coming week, you're going to testify. God is clearing your debt. There's a lady also. I see among those ones, God is clearing your debt. You have a mother of two. God is clearing your debt. You're a mother of two. You're on my left. God is clearing your debt in the name of Jesus. There's somebody here, you've put in applications. I decree and I declare this coming week we are going to call you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. May be seated. Matthew chapter 7, verses 6. Give the amplified of that. Amplify it for me. The Bible says in the seventh chapter, the sixth verse of the gospel of St. Matthew Do not give that which is holy, that is the sacred thing, to the dogs. And do not throw your pals before hogs, lest they trample upon them with their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Are we hearing? Next verse. Keep on asking, the Bible says, and it will be given. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently and the door will be open to you. Next verse, for everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, the Bible says the door will be open. Somebody say amen. amen. A few days ago I was preaching and I remembered that I'd promised to share something in this line of Matthew 7, 7, the scripture, and I, I realized that many times I promise and then I delay to fulfill, so I'm working on it. Be patient with me. How cool is that? So, I promise to share some in Matthew 7 7. Give me the KJV. The KJV says, um, Matthew 7 7, KJV says, Ask and it shall be given you. And it says, Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Now, let me begin this way. Um, the most effective weapon for the devil right now and most used and I believe cuts across in every situation that I've seen is deception. Right? When I define deception, I'm talking about degrees in deception. I'm not talking about I promised you 
to buy for you candy and I failed to fulfill that, so you deceived me. You understand? I deliberately deceived you that I was going to buy you candy on Friday and I did not. I'm not talking about that level of deception. I'm talking about the highest level of deception. Are we together? The highest level of deception. Now, I have realized this, and I know many of you know, like in Ephesians, uh, I think chapter 4 there, the Bible speaks about how, from I think 15, how we speak the truth in love, perfect, sorry, yeah, speaking the truth in love, the Bible says we may grow up into him in all things which is the head of Christ. Are you hearing? It speaks of an experience where we speak the truth in love. And after speaking the truth in love, he says, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Right? Now, there was no comma between into him and comma in all things. It was a straight statement. But speaking the truth in love, comma, may grow up into him in all things. Okay? Which is the head even? Jesus. Meaning that the primary ministry of God is to make you into him in all things. How together? All things. Which is Jesus. So, the church is supposed to be looked at and it's no longer the church which belongs to Christ but Christ himself. Huh? Next verse. And the next verse says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself, again in what? In love. And the next verse says, that, and this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that he henceforth not, the Bible says, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. I want you to amplify that. I want to show you something. Begin from 17. So say, this I say and solely testify in the name of the Lord as, as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen, that is the Gentiles, do in the perverseness, that is in the folly, in vanity, in emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds, okay? Their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated. The Bible says estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is, the Bible says, because of the ignorance. Are you hearing me? The want of knowledge and perception, the willing blindness. They do not want knowledge and perception. They are willingly blind. Because the light of the gospel is shining in, in the world. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. God sent ministers and ministries. There are saints serving across the world. But there are certain people who are not willing to walk out of blindness. And he says that is deep-seated in them due to the hardness of their heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. And the next verse says, in their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves, are prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Next verse, but you did not so learn Christ. I love the way the, the Bible, the Amplified said, but you did not so learn Christ. Next verse, 
assuming that you have really, listen, heard him and have been taught by him as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him. If you've been taught by God, right? The next verse says, strip yourselves of all former nature, put off and discard your old and renewed self, which is characterized of your previous manner of life, becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion, right? Did you see that? They spring from delusion. The corrupt nature carries one entity, delusion. Delusion is the deceived state of how a man sees things, right? You see, the total sum of the spirit of this world is delusion, deception. And that is why to certain people, truth is relative. To others, it's absolute. But what they behold as truth is not truth. That is why when Jesus comes and speaks about the spirit of truth, he says in him there is no lie. The first thing that qualifies the spirit of truth is in him there is no lie. That unction, the anointing that you carry, the spirit, the word of God, in him he says there is no lie because the spirit of this world is a lie. I'll give you an example. When you look at the people who have accessed the world, right, of the spirit, the new age, for example, they have a definition of truth. They recognize the deception of the world, right? But to get above it, if they have to access the other world by the devil, there is another level of deception they also have to enter into. But when they're in that deception, they see like the world is deceived. Do you understand what I'm saying? They see like the world is deceived. A man whose third eye is open and has access to the spirit world without the gospel, the truth, and the word, and salvation, what he sees draws the reality of what he defines as true because the scope of perception increases and therefore his understanding and consciousness to the world he's surrounded is different from the way the Christian, some Christians, not all, and many people in the world see. I'll give you an example. Back in those days, many years ago, when I started to see spiritually, right? One time I visited the lady, she had a baby on the, on the bed, and I just visited her. And then my eyes, the eyes, right, opened. And when they opened, spiritually, right? When they opened, I saw a white creature, the shape of a, of a rat, but almost the size of a rabbit. So what, it was a white creature. The shape of a rat, the size of a rabbit. And it was sitting on this child. And by the spirit I could perceive for the first time what it was. Because when you're moving in the spirit, you're by truth. You're conscious of everything in its reality as it is, not as the devil makes it appear. I don't know if I'm making sense. Not as the devil makes it appear. Otherwise, like I said, he is transformed even as the angel of light. He can appear 
in light, right? But when you are watching through the spirit of truth, you can see that this light is not light. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, in the reality of that, the moment something appears to you spiritually, you know it. You know it, either by name or identity or something, but you know it. You know it. Like one time I was praying for a lady uh, somewhere many uh, kilometers from here, and the moment I, I saw like a, a barren spirit on her, and the moment I saw it, I even got its name. It had a Muslim name. And the moment I screamed the name, the spirit looked at me and said, how did you know me? <laughs> you see, but the, the transition between how the name comes to your spirit versus the action of speaking, it is too fast, too fast, that you cannot connect the reality of how it was transferred to be spoken and understood at that particular moment. So I could see it, and I recognized what it was because I'd had people talking about something like that in the Luganda culture. The Luganda have a certain thing they call Chitega, right? But the reality of it I saw. Now, I go to this, I, I see the lady, I say, in the name of Jesus, I, I, I point to the child, the lady was seated just next to the child. I say, leave this child right now. The thing lifted and hit the woman who was just next to me. Boom, right? And immediately it went out. So she got up to and stood. And the Lord told me she has a spirit of fear. But if she continues to fear, if this thing comes back, it's going to kill the child. And I told her, what can kill your child is what is inside you. Fear. Don't be afraid. I know this is hard for you to understand and she was a new convert. But I told her, this thing I have had by God, that it's going to come back. But if it does stand, refuse to fear. Sadly, she did not understand what I told her. And three days down the road, she calls me the child had died. Sadly. Do you understand what I'm saying? When a man who is not born again and can access the spirit world sees this, Thing, his interpretation for it, depending on the master he serves, he cannot understand it the way the Christian sees it. Are we together? We carry advanced knowledge. We carry epignosis, the advanced knowledge which is of God. And that means that that grace comes with the ability to have control over the things that you receive, stumble on, and see spiritually. Because in him, the Bible says, all things consist. That means that when you are in him, everything in the spirit world carries a certain order. Are you hearing me? Scientists tell you, right? Recently, I was watching a little thing of a lady. What, who are those guys who do study weather? meteorologists a meteorological person was on television and she was assessing and saying the reason why winds blow huh? wind blows certain directions it is because in the atmosphere right in the, in the atmosphere 
when the, when the earth is falling off balance, right? When the earth is falling off balance, there is a wind that blows it back to balance. Are we together? That's the essence of wind. Wind just doesn't blow. The earth is supposed, by the laws of the earth, it's supposed to be centered in a certain position. But once it falls out of that position, there happens to be a force that blows it back into position. And that's the wind you and I feel on the earth, right? Is it not written that the foundations of the world are out of course because they neither know nor understand. Because the church does not carry knowledge or understanding. The Bible says that the foundations of the world are out of course. They're out of course. He says they know not neither will they understand. They walk in in darkness and all the foundations of the world are out of course. And what does the next verse say? The next verse says, I have said ye are gods and all of you are children of the most high. And he says that the wind bloweth where it listeth. Are you hearing me? You, you hears the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh from. And he says, and the way that it goeth. And says, so is everyone which is born of the Holy Ghost. That means that when the spirit world is out of balance, you come in. You come in. When the spirit world is out of course and it needs to carry a balance, you're the one who comes. You're the wind itself. You don't release wind. You are the wind itself. When you are in the earth, the earth is balanced. When you walk in the spirit world, the spirit world is balanced. When the spirit world is intercepted by the wrong spirits, wrong human spirits, accessing the spirit world illegally, it is out of balance. When the Christian can go on the same plane with the guy of the spirit, the other side, and you can stand this side, Whatever is out of course gets into course. It has the right order of things starts to take place physically because of the effect that we have spiritually. The beauty with this, this kind of wind, you and I, it's unpredictable. In art, it doesn't have a formula. It doesn't have a method. You don't know how they do it, but they know how to do it. Somebody might look at you and they think you're just this average you. But there's something inside you right now that can fix Uganda's economy. There's something inside you right now that can fix the political status of this nation. There's something around you right now that can bring back social order. It's in the church. It's in the church. I say, dear God, it's in the church. The reason, that's why I tell people, we have to stop blaming the government. We have to stop blaming people outside. The problem is the church. The problem is the church. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation. He didn't say nation exalteth righteousness. He didn't say a good political system exalteth a nation. He didn't say a good social system develops a nation. He didn't say that a very good status quo 
develops a nation. He says what develops a nation is righteousness. Righteousness is what exalted the nation. You cannot tell me that you're a Christian nation. And we are the way we are. Let's redefine this. Oh, 80% of the Ugandans, uh, Ugandans are Christians. Oh, okay, degrees of alcohol in the world, Uganda, we're talking. <laughs> Percentages of corruption in Africa, in the world, we are talking. You understand? And, and we're saying that we are a Christian nation. We have to redefine Christianity. There are certain things that cannot happen in our world when we are there. That's why, thank God, I was born in a third world country. That when it becomes first world, they won't give credit to technological advancement. And no, they'll say there was a group of guys. They used to pray every Thursday. But boy, they knew how to put the world in order. Hallelujah. So I have understood for a fact that the world is out of balance because of the Christians or the so-called Christians, quote or unquote. I'm starting every day to go back and read and see things and where we come from and I've learned to take responsibility and I've stopped to judge certain people. All of these men who are out of this world, who are missing this world, all they need is Christ. They just need to see something. They just need to see something. They just need to see something. There is something when they see it, they will believe. I started to look at all these people and I realized all of these people that we are judging, we have the power to change. Listen. I was telling people in the school of ministry, I told them, God did not send us to make disciples in all nations. He sent us to make disciples of all nations. There's a difference. We are not entering Uganda to make disciples in Uganda. We are entering in Uganda to make Uganda a disciple of Jesus. That's a huge responsibility. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We are supposed to be turning nations back to God. We have a heavenly mandate to turn nations back to God. Not just individuals in nations. We don't want the biggest ministries in particular nations. We want nations bowing. We don't want a big church in a nation. We want a nation bowing. So that when the church is big, it equals to the bowingness of that nation. You can say, oh, there's majority of Christians there. And that's the delusion of this world. That's the deception even Ugandans are going into. Because we already say 80% is this. What has that translated into in our nation? What is the translation of that in our nation? Look at the level of maturity of the church in Uganda. Level of maturity. Just define maturity. Level of maturity in the church of Uganda. Our nation. Our nation. Somebody has spent 30 or 40 years in the gospel and they don't know a basic truth. Basic truth. And God is calling the church to 
take responsibility. He's telling them every day, every day he's speaking to us, every day in scriptures, he's telling us every other day that we have to let go even of the elementary things of, the, of this world. And he tells us we have to, even of the gospel, he tells us we have, there's a point where the body of Christ has to leave the elementary. The elementary. And when he speaks of the elementary things, what is the first thing? Repentance from dead works. That's the first elementary. One of the first elementary truths when somebody is translated from darkness to light is repentance from darkness. He says, therefore, living the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The primary, the primary basic principle is repentance from dead works. A man doesn't even know the difference between law and grace. In this nation, we don't even understand the difference between law and grace. And we are still on the basic trying to get it right. And people preach those scriptures too. And say, oh, let us lay, uh, uh, no laying foundation again of repentance from dead works, uh, faith unto God, and all these kinds of things, and the laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, and this we shall do, if the Lord wills. But you see, many people don't go back to what do each of these things represent. Let me explain something very simple. Dead works are not bad works. They're just dead works. And dead works are dead works because they're done in the ability of a man to please God. In a dispensation where a man is supposed to do in the ability of God because God is already pleased with him. I don't know if I'm making sense. The beginning of dead works are the things that we do, however beautiful they are, if they are not centered around the working of his grace in us. That's a dead work. Do you know why churches are failing? Do you know why ministries are failing? They have not even crossed the basic. The church in Jerusalem died. Prophets entered there. Priests entered there. Kings entered there. It was broken, rebuilt, broken, rebuilt, broken, rebuilt. But a spirit of religion sat in that church. And right now in Jerusalem, the Bible says the Gentiles shall take Christ into Jerusalem. Now it's the Gentiles preaching to Jerusalem, their own God. It's the Gentiles telling them who their own God is. But don't be mistaken that what killed the church in Jerusalem is not in the, church of, in the churches in Uganda. It's in many churches across the world. Because the letter killeth. It killeth. Whether you want it or not, the letter killeth. The letter killeth. But we're even still debating the basic principle. Repentance from dead works. Next line, faith and do God. That's why you realize men who are legal don't have results. Because faith cannot come except by the word of grace. It can only be of faith. That it will be of grace. The only manifestation of the graces of the spirit is the place of faith. And faith primarily is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that does not only work around the disease you carry in your body and the indifference that you carry in your own family. It goes way deeper even in the functioning of the things of our relationship with God. Primarily, he tells us that those who come to him, he says they should come to him in the mind that he is God. This is first faith. He is 
is God. That is, regardless of what you have done or what you have not been through, the primary thing is that he is God. And the reward of them that diligently seek him. But they don't understand that, number one, when a man is walking by the faith of God in grace, it's not what he does to attain salvation. That is why if you look at the Holy Communion, many people read here, the Holy Communion, yeah? he says, and many partake this in an unworthy manner. And he says, even while they partake communion, he says, many are sickly and many fall dead because they discern not the body. A man who takes Holy Communion and he comes out of that house of God, goes back to his home and gets hypertension and gets diabetes. Why? Because they behold not true communion. Communion, okay, let me explain it. Holy communion. The holiness in this oneness is the oneness with Christ. Are you hearing me? So he says, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Amplified. Give me the verse before. 26, 25. Uh-huh. Read. Holy communion is this. Every time you eat this bread, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes. That's it. So when I'm eating Holy Communion, my first understanding is Jesus died and he rose again. Right? For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're representing and signifying the proclamation of the fact of the Lord's death until he comes. Next verse. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that it is unworthy of him, right, will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord, not your body. Here, Holy Communion, Jesus is the center, not even your sins. Not even your actions, not even your goodness. No, Jesus here is the center. In an unworthy way, I realize that sometimes people center their actions, their goodness or badness. And they think that the more good I am, the more I'm worthy to partake. And the more bad I am, the more I'm unworthy to partake. Then they will repent in their understanding of repentance. Because repentance, by the way, it's not when you say, Mukama, I'm sorry. Repentance is when you walk out of something and you never go back. Today, people say repentance as, as an opportunity to do it again. I do, then I say sorry. Then I do, then I say sorry. Then I do, then I say sorry. Because repentance is there. Repentance is metanoia, changing minds. Repentance is not what removes your sin. What takes away your sin is the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It doesn't matter how much you repent if Jesus had not died. So, look at how we approach the presence in the face. If a man has understood dead works. Jude 1.24. Give me Amplified. Now, read. And to him who is able. Whose ability is it? Wait. Whose ability is it? Whose ability is it? Now, he says, and to him who is able to keep you from falling. Now, let me show you what dead works are. Dead works is when you keep yourself from falling. Are you hearing me? If you stand before God and say, I've kept myself. That's dead. Because your righteousness 
is filthy rags. We are still dealing with basic principle. Your righteousness is filthy rags before him. It doesn't matter how good you are. There are people who are so good in this world, but they are not born again. And I can assure you, they will go straight to hell sliding on a very long coaster. (laughs) However good they are. Because your goodness is not what takes you to heaven. Your faith in Jesus is what takes you to heaven. I don't know whether I'm making sense. So, let's go back. Are you in God's ability to be kept from falling? Or are you in your ability to be kept from falling? If you fall because you put it in your ability, that's nothing. If you make it, but it's in your ability, it's dead. Why? Because it doesn't give God glory. It gives you glory. Are we together? So, he, the, the one I'm talking about, the Bible says, is able to keep you. He's able to keep you without stumbling or sleeping or falling. And to what? Now see faith. To present you. So every time you are presented before the Father, you are unblemished, blameless, and faultless before the presence of his glory. So when I go in his presence, I don't look at myself with blame. Not because I walked right, but I believe in the one who walked right and is working in me every day to walk right. So, I don't go to God regardless of my state in fear. I don't pray and say, ah, now God, eh, ah, there must be, there may be something. Eh, there might be, there might be eh, something I did eh, that might refuse you to move, eh? I don't go to God on my own terms of action. I go to him on his own terms of action. And somebody says, does that, Apostle, don't you think that you're saying that you can actually do whatever you want to do because you're, it doesn't matter what you do to go to him. And I tell you, all things are pure to them which are pure. But to them which are undefiled and unbelieving like you are, nothing is pure. Who told you that an incorruptible seed can continue to do anything because it is approved by God anyway. Unless you don't understand salvation. I don't know whether I'm making sense. So, we go, he presents us every other day. He keeps you from falling. Do you have faith in him? Yes. From stumbling. And every time I go in the presence of God, I am presented blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory. When I go there, are you hearing me? I don't worry that I'll not get results. Because when he was calling me, even in my weakness, he says, come to the throne of grace boldly. Don't come in a timid spirit of, I think he might slap me. I think he might beat me. Let me first go and make myself right. Do you know why many people are not born again? We have given them a delusion, the deception again in the world that they have to cleanse themselves to come. God is not calling you to cleanse yourself and you come. He's calling you to allow him to cleanse you. And what is the primary cleanser? The word. He says, by my word, I have cleansed thee. He's not going to wash you with a brush. He's just going to teach you the word, the righteousness imputed, 
washes a man every day. There are things when you listen to them. Are you hearing me? It's like they are cleanser to your soul and to your body. And they present you every other day. See, they might sanctify and cleanse thee with the washing of the water by the word. You see? So every other day you hear the true gospel, you're cleansed. When you hear the wrong thing, you're killed. So the primary place of men cleansed is the gospel that is preached to them. But today, we give men the law and we think that we're cleansing them. Yet, in actual sense, we are presenting before them what they must do to be clean. And that's now dead works. Because however clean they are, they can never be clean to the standard. Listen, he even took it at a notch higher. He said, okay, you, you commit adultery. He says, okay, no, 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 that's even nothing. When you look at the woman lustfully, he says you have committed adultery. That's a higher level of expectation. You can never fulfill it. You can't. Even you could be hiding in your what you know, you know in your heart. If we go back a few days, yes, even women, sometimes you look at her like Karaba Koya, you come back. Listen, the brain, the brain, did I ever tell you that minds can be born again? No, they are just renewed every day. They're renewed every day. They're renewed every day. But no mind is born again. I said, no mind is born again. God didn't save minds. He saves souls and puts in us the Holy Ghost. So a man, by the time you walk free, are you hearing me? By the time you walk free and it stops to come here, it must come from here to change your mind. It must come from the right word to change your mind. That is why the scriptures is very clear that the servant of God must not strive but must instruct them all who oppose themselves against the truth but adventure they might come to repentance and restore themselves from the snares of the devil. Right? Because it takes them captive at his own will. And it tells them that people who tell you, they stand in front of you and they tell you, don't touch. Don't test. Don't eat. How? Because if touching is no longer touching, How can you not touch? <laughs> Except if this guy inside, who can touch without touching, is delivered. <laughs> you can't not touch. Because even if you don't touch, you've touched. <laughs> the thought that you want to steal, you already stole. The man has stayed in the bank, but before God, you are a thief. The only thing that can cleanse that fellow is the word of God. The message of his grace. And he says, these things are done with the doing. And they have a form of godliness. A denial of the flesh. A kind of godly party. But he says, but the, it does not save the man from his sensual desires. And then he takes you back to Ephesians. Why the sensual desires are there is because of the darkening of their understanding. Their minds don't get it because of the ignorance that is within them. 
and the hardness of their hearts. They refuse to embrace the message of his grace. They want to become legal and have a list of things they do. Let me tell you, by the law, no flesh shall be justified. The only way your brain can stop, and that's why a man who has understood the grace of God is really free. Because I can tell you in my life, when I was under the law, I used not to do, but I would do. Nenga, I don't do. Nenga, I what? Are you seeing what I'm saying? But when I understood grace, I got to a point where my mind can be so fixed in him that I look back and I'm like, eh, how come I didn't do? I don't know if I'm making sense. We are still dealing with repentance from dead works before we enter faith. That is why when I understood that, the miraculous came in my life. I started to demonstrate power the moment I understood his grace. When you don't understand it, you will pray until the sun goes down. You will never see power. And I mean power. I'm not talking about power. I'm talking about power. Capitalize, bold it, italicize it, underline it, put it in a box and increase the fonts. Hallelujah. And a man has been in the gospel for 30 years and they don't even see the difference. They don't see the difference. Again, in part, it's the delusion in the world. The devil deceives in many ways. So as give me an example of a man who has accessed the spirit world, but because he has not accessed it by the spirit of truth, he observes things in a very indifferent manner of observation because the very things he observes against truth are contrary to the way he sees things. Are you with me? It's like a man, a man of the spirit, born again Christian, can see a demon spirit on somebody, right? And another man of the other world also sees a de- the same demon spirit on that person. But the way the man of the spirit sees it is not the way the other man sees it. And neither, it's not the way it sees the two. I don't know whether I'm making sense. I don't know whether I'm making sense. Now, when you go to Matthew, he tells you, do not cast pearls to swine. Because he says you, oh, a hog. He says, it will trample on them and after that, turn to you and tear you. When Paul left Damascus and went three years in Arabia and came back with a certain message, you realize one thing, one basic thing. Any time he went in the synagogue, he didn't come back unbeaten. Every time he went and entered the synagogue of Jews, Paul came back beaten. When he went to Arabia and God shows him the message of his grace, he was like, oh my goodness, what is this? He comes back to Damascus. Three years, he says, and I went up. And to no apostle did I speak, save Peter and James. And he says, and with Peter, I abode with him 15 
days they were together. The message Bible says, but oh, what days they were. It means they used to sit down with Peter and then they start debating and ended up, no. How, no, I don't believe this. Okay, what about this? Because so, they, they were debated. He says, but three years before I went up to Jerusalem and compared stories with Peter, I was there only 15 days. Galatians 1.18. The message says, but oh, what days they were. Meaning they were exchanging. You understand? Uh, uh, no, I don't believe it. Uh, you see, Peter believed Paul, but not fully understood him, right? He believed him, but he did not what? Fully understand him. And now you hear him saying those things. Our brother Paul, he has things which are hard to say. <laughs> things which men which are unlearned and unstable. And he says, me, I'm not among them, no. But there are men which are unlearned and unstable. He says, they twist the scriptures like they do the other scriptures for their own destruction. He says, yeah. They do that. But he says, thank you. Uh-huh. Also in all his epistles, Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things had to be understood. This is Peter speaking. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, that is twist, as they also do the scriptures. You see again, destruction comes. Watch when a ministry is getting destroyed. There's some wrong. Watch when a Christian is getting destroyed. There's some wrong. The balance here of truth. Because truth sets free. His government is of increase. It's of increase. And he says to order and direct it. And he says, and the zeal of the Lord performs it. The Lord of hosts. Right? Let's go back. So he says, there are things, all in a piece of speaking them, you know, things which are some had to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. And next verse says, you therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. And the next verse says, but grow in grace, comma, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory and honor forever. Peter is telling them, grow in grace. Don't grow in the law. Don't grow in the law. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. But you know why Paul was bitter? Can you ask yourself how they can get a thief and put him with Jesus? And the man asks them, choose. Do you realize even in the story of Jesus, Gentiles never touched him? Pilots were washing their hands off the Caesars. I'll see you tomorrow. You see. But the Jew, the Jew, they put a thief and a man who heals the sick. And he asked them, Who do you want me to crucify? He is trying to save this guy. And the Bible says, They took the thief. And the Bible says some of the most saddest words I've ever read. He says, and they hated him with no cause. Without cause. But why do you think they had a problem with Jesus? The message of his grace. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. If Jesus had come with the law, he would have been a darling. Because the law is everywhere. It's in the church, it's in the mosque, it's in Buddha, it's in Mormonism, Confucianism mentioned. Even Buddhists say, don't steal. Even Muslims say, don't steal. The gospel is deeper than that. Are you hearing me? 
that light that Paul saw that shined at noon and it shined brighter than the sun. If it gets inside a man, it is deeper than anything a man can ever experience in the earth. I don't know whether I'm making sense. We must preach it. We must sing it. We must worship in it. We must believe in it. We must lay hands on it. That's why if you don't understand repentance from dead works, you can never have faith. Because in every aspect of faith, right, there's a disqualification of a man's ability and expectation except to believe. I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know if I'm making sense. You look at how faith speaks. Faith says, whosoever, over his wrong or right, whether he's tall or short, whosoever shall say. He didn't say, whoever has prayed and then says. No, he says, whosoever, whoever has, he didn't say, whoever has not stolen. No, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain. It makes the man who believes be whatever he is and puts the attention on the God that is. That's why when he gets to the Galatians, he asks them, who bewitched you? Now, I want you to understand witchcraft. I want you to understand witchcraft. Witchcraft is not, your mother bewitched you. No, there is witchcraft in the church. 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 The other day, and I'm going to come back to Galatians. The other day I had somebody preaching and saying, ah, there are people who are preaching the grace message, da, 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 and they're saying that uh, the, the scriptures say that in the last days men shall gather of themselves teachers uh, speaking what their itching ears want to hear. Do you know how many indifferent people misunderstand that scripture? Can I explain? Listen to me. Listen to me. The scriptures are clear on how a man's ears itch. And this is how. He says, having eyes, they see not. And having ears, they hear not. For their ears have become grossly waxed. So people don't hear anymore because there is wax, spiritual wax in their ears, W-X-A-X. They put wax, their ears are grossly waxed. And how is a man's ears grossly waxed? The man's ears are grossly waxed according to scripture when a man refuses the testimony of Christ, which is grace. That's why he says, I'm come to open the eyes of the blind and they, to make the, 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 them which are deaf hear. That's what the spirit of the Lord that anointed him did, to give sight to the blind. I see. He tells Paul to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He tells them to open their eyes, to shift from darkness and to light, and to serve the living God. You see, that's the essence of the scriptures. So, their ears are grossly waxed. How are ears grossly waxed? When the law enters a man's ears, and then he locks out the ministry of grace. The ministry of Christ. Because Christ came to bring one thing, grace and truth. He says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. So when a man locks himself from grace, he starts to get waxed. And everybody who has had wax in your ears, you'll know they itch. 
So he says, they shall gather themselves teachers to say and teach what their itching ears want to hear. But every itching ear was waxed. And it was waxed because they locked out grace and embraced the law. Because the law, the Bible says, creates priests with infirmities. And deafness is an infirmity. It's a spiritual infirmity. That's what the Bible says. The law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. That's what the law does. It brings disease in your ears. You start to hear wrong things. So he tells them, who bewitched you, all foolish Galatians? Right? Who bewitched you? Uh, he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus has been evidently set before and crucified among you? Give me the Amplified in verse 2. He says, all you point, silly, thoughtless, and unrelenting, and, 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 and reflecting, and senseless Galatians, who has fascinated and bewitched or cast a spell over you, unto whom right before your very eyes Jesus the Messiah was openly and graphically set forth and portrayed as crucified. Next verse. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the law? Uh, but you see, the man who's, who is waxed, the first thing he says is, ah, apostle is saying people don't need to obey the law. It's not what I say. But I'm also not going to stop speaking because you think it. <laughs> he, listen. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by result of obeying the law and doing its works? Or was it by hearing the message of the gospel and believing it? Was it from observing a law of rituals or from a message of faith? Next verse. Are you so foolish and so senseless and so silly, having begun your new life spiritually? You see, when the grace comes, it's spiritual, right? That is why even when he starts to draw the correlation between the, the law... He draws it to the spirit, right? The law, the spirit, right? The spirit, the law. He says, are you so foolish and so senseless and so silly, having begun your new life spiritually with the Holy Spirit? Are you now reaching perfection by dependence on the flesh? You see that? Next verse. Have you suffered so many things and experienced so much of all nothing to no purpose, if it really, it is no purpose at all in vain? Next verse, I love that. Does he read... Who supplies you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and works powerfully and miraculously, opens blind eyes, raises the dead among you, do so on the grounds, listen, of your doing what the Lord demands or because of your believing in and adhering and to trusting in and relying on the message that you had. How does it come? Do you think that God is going to expand your business because you obey the law? He's going to expand your ministry because you obey the law. He's going to keep you healthy because you obey the law. No. He's going to keep you healthy, do everything in your life because you obey and believe that message. Because he wants to take you from your ability to his ability. Such that when you don't steal, you can say it is the message that is working in me, both to will and to do according to his pleasure. You don't say, ah, ah, it was, you know, I was a good guy. <laughs> and by the way, some of us were very good people when we were growing up. <laughs> me, I never did drugs. I never drank alcohol. I never, when I was growing up, I had girlfriends. What? 
I never went to club. I don't even know how club looks like. So I pity some people who don't understand the message of grace. I tell those ones who are speaking were there once. <laughs> Even some of you, of course, were in the grace. I will not point to somebody, but there's somebody who's looking at me, but I will not say. He'll confess on his own one day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, I want to finish this. So, I want to finish this. So, he says, they will trample on what you teach, and then they'll destroy you. And the next verse now says in Matthew, seek, and you shall find. Right? Knock, and the door shall be open. Ask, and it shall be given. Right? And the next verse says, and whosoever, give you the KJV, everyone who asks receives. Okay, give it, stay in the Amplified. Sorry. For everyone, do the Amplified. Who keeps and asks receives. And he who keeps on seeking, he does what? He finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be open. Listen. God in this scripture is not talking about a mobile phone. Ask for a car, you shall receive. Otherwise, there are doors to knock. And they are seekings. They are not just askings. He's drawing the total sum of things. The spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation. No, you see the next verse. Next verse says, and you see, what man is thereof if a son asks him for the loaf of bread? Let's go back to the scriptures. Who is the bread? Who is the bread? The word, which is Christ, right? The word is Christ, which brings grace. Who of you, when your son asks for the message of Christ, hands him a stone? The law was written on stone. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know they understand. Who asks, whose son tells him, I want Jesus. Now he's talking about your relationship with God. Ask, knock, seek. Because if you ask God the Father, he will give you Christ, not the Lord. And if you enter into ministry, next verse, if he asks for fish, remember Peter, fishers of men, fish representing souls, fish representing ministry, who asks for fish and is given? <laughs> Serpent members. <laughs> Wicked members. Next verse. If you then evil, as you are, know how to give good and adventurous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, which is in heaven, perfect as he is, give good and adventurous gifts? things to those who keep on asking him. Next verse. So then whatever you desire that others would do too and for you even so also do too for them. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What is that? What is that? What is that? What is that? Did you see the ultimate prayer for the man? Bread and fish. The message and the souls. 
the message of grace and the souls. The message of grace and the souls. That's why we seek God. That's our driving force. That's our driving force. I want to finish with this. When I was growing up, I had a wilderness experience, right? In my campus days. In one of those days of campus. I remember that during that time it was a transition into a certain holiday that I was entering into. And I remember many times I used to stay awake up to 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. I had a period of wilderness. And let me tell you something. Everybody needs a wilderness experience. Everybody. It's the very reason why Paul went to Arabia. Because in the Arabia, there is a wild. In Arabia, is a desert place. You might not go to Arabia, but it carries a spiritual representation of every man which is sanctified and consecrated for the greater work. I don't know what I'm telling. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who came in this room because you just want a car. That's deception. Do you know how many saints come to church because of things money can buy? That is deception. That is deception. This is eternal life. That you might know the one true God and his only son Jesus. There is nothing money can buy is worth the bread and the fish. That is why we spend on souls. Because no amount of money can buy a soul. That is why we spend on the word. He says, buy truth and sell it not. I don't ask money for preaching, but I spend to get everything I preach. I will invest in a book. I will read my Bible. I will buy. I will pay for anything that brings truth to me. He says, buy truth and sell it not. Buy truth and sell it not. But they also don't understand wisdom and instruction and understanding are bought. Therein lies the price. Therein lies the price. Therein lies the price. Therein lies the price. But the beauty with it is, I always tell you, the grace available is greater than the price you pay. But never forget this. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding are a price. There's something you pay to be instructed a certain way. It's not money. It's deeper than that. And that's the thing Simon the sorcerer did not understand. He wants to buy the gift of God. And he tells him, uh-uh, boss, your heart is not right. For in thee I see bitterness and all these other things. Pray that you be not destroyed. For you carry no part or lot in this thing. The beginning of this price is understanding the part and the lot. And deceptively, the gifts we carry can convince us to think that we carry a part and a lot in this thing. But I will tell you, the part and lot is different. I have a sermon on that one day. The part and lot is different in God. When a man has a part and lot in this thing, you realize God owns him. God owns him. God owns him. He's not just a minister. No, the heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. God owns him. And when God starts to own you, 
you understand why or what it means not to be on your own. Many of you say this, but you're, you're really on your own. That's why he doesn't move with you and do things in your life like he ought to. When you are with him, when you are with God, there is a difference in your life. There is a difference in your life. Today, because of the deception in the world, men are asking for cars, money, houses, weddings. What do you see? Who bewitched me? Who didn't? Who did it to me? And they're wasting all their lives trying to discover who gave them the hunky that made them fall out and then made them faint and then now they're delivered and then they enter another attack and then at the end of their day, they're 50, 60 and they never want souls. They carry no fish, neither bread. The principle of multiplication is always around that. When fish and bread are available, he can feed 5,000. You will walk with them and not worry what they will eat because they will eat. Even if they are satisfied, something out of you, the word of God coming out of you, the Bible calls it, it's a savour, right? The gospel. He says it's a sweet-smelling savour, right? It puts, it puts appetite <laughs> in the heart of the man which is already full, right? However full they are, they will never have enough of it. Are you hearing me? Because they're not eating as hungry and thirsty men. They are eating as men which have been filled and out of that fullness became thirsty and hungry. There's a difference. The thirst of a man who has drunk and the hunger of a man who is full is different for a man who has had nothing. And he gets in the miracles and every time he's asking, how many fish? Two fish, five loaves of bread, right? Two, depending the, defining the covenants, the duality, right? Of the covenants. Five loaves of bread and two fish, right? The two fish, the duality of the covenants, Old and New Testament. The five loaves, the message of his grace. 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 And the Bible says in Acts 13, be it known unto you that by this man is the forgiveness of sins. And he is able to cleanse and deliver you from all things with which the law could not do. Is that? Read it. Be known unto you therefore, men and brethren, listen to the message, that through this man is preached unto you the anger of the Lord, no, the forgiveness of sins. And the next verse, and by him, all who believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And the next verse says, Beware therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken upon the prophets. Next verse, Behold ye despisers and wonders and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And he says, And the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And the next verse says, And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next verse, And the next Sabbath, 
came almost the whole Kampala, the next city, the Bible says, the whole city together to hear the word of God. And then the numbers come. And when they come, they say, they're telling them what their ears want to hear. We're not telling them what their ears want to hear. We're giving them Jesus. Bread and fish, bread and fish, bread and fish. Because when the two and five are there, he raises it up, puts it down, thanks the Father. And the next thing you know, he was able to feed 5,000 people. Think it in the spirit. Think it in the spirit. So my wilderness experiences defined too much of understanding this bread and the kind of fish. I don't know if I'm making sense. And the kind of fish, the bread and the fish, they define that. That's an experience. Do you realize that when he was taking him in the wilderness, the Bible says he was taken up in the spirit into the wilderness? It was not just a physical take up. It was not just a 40-day physical fast. Because the number 40 means trial. That means he was tried in the spirit. It wasn't just 40 days of fasting. No. Returned from Jordan and was led of the spirit. Yeah, thank you. And was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Right? He was led by the spirit. That means the spirit didn't lead him in a physical wilderness. There was a spiritual. Because every experience that happened there was a spiritual experience. He tells him, stand up on the mountains and look at all the kingdoms of the world. There is no mountain by which you can see the whole world. These were spiritual experiences. They were spiritual experiences. And every man, every, because if you look at the Greek translation of the word wilderness, it is translated as a place where God separates you from your relatives, your friends, and anything that defines you. That's why when you start wilderness experiences, the first thing God lifts off you is the weight that so easily besets us. Friends. Help them. Yeah? Even relatives who are not helping, put him down. Even relatives who are not in line with it. God first, you don't stop loving them. You don't stop helping them. You just stop being around them. Not that you're a bad person. No, that's a scripture. I am come to separate the father from the mother, the daughter from the son and all this. It's not that you're going to be at war with them. No, you will be at peace with them. But there are certain things you will not connect with. Because you cannot see Canaan until you leave your own. Until you stop looking at your father and your mother as a source of income. Until you stop looking at your cousins in the outside countries as them who are going to support you. God must first let go of everything that was a support for you. Some of you are losing friends and you think it's a spirit of rejection. It's not rejection. God is separating you. No wonder they don't call you anymore. No wonder they don't think about you anymore. They don't have a problem. No. God has allowed it that he will work in you. For I know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to them who are called according to his purposes. A time will come when you return back. But when you come back, you'll come back in the power of the Holy Ghost to serve them. To get them from darkness to light. To preach Jesus to them that they will see 
the God that is in you and that they will believe that God did something. So many of you, I believe, are entering or are in a certain kind of wilderness. Some of your family members don't understand you. Some of your friends don't understand you. Some people around you, they're asking, why are you quiet? Don't worry. Paul needed to be in Arabia. He needed to be in Arabia. Far away from any man's influence, any man's inspiration, and any man's support. It was only him and God. Those are called the testations of ministers. And I'm calling of men who are you see, many are servants. They serve God, but they're not ministers of God. There's a difference. You can be a servant of God, but not a minister of God. But if you're to transition into ministry, if you transition from service to ministry, men will start looking at you and they'll say, indeed, he asked, he knocked, and he sought. You realize that the doors you knocked, like Paul prays in Colossians, become the doors of utterance. It's the ability to speak what must be spoken the right way it has to be spoken, to stay in your hearers, the most holy emotions, and that's persuading them. It's the asking for the divine ability to manifest what must be done. It's the seeking to be positioned in a place where you flow in abundance. It's not the asking to teach and work in you the ability to produce. It's the asking that when your mouth is open, indeed, you carry the grace to yield for him to fill it with good things. Come on, speak to God. I feel the presence of God here. Can you just take a minute? Please take a minute. Don't move where you are. Just stay where you are. Take a minute. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Just make a prayer. It's your day. It's your season. Come on, speak in our tongues. Ancient words. Long preserved. For our in this world, they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient world impart. Ancient words ever true. Put out the ground. Just stand between our legs. Changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let Speaking other tongues. Words of life. Words of hope. Give us strength. In this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us. Ancient words, ever true, send me. Ancient 
working in your spirit. You're changing nations. You're making disciples of all nations. In the name of Jesus. Matayere. 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 Rababoloye. Sabababababa. Sabakorebaya. Darerebo. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Whether you're in the overflow, in the name of Jesus, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. Thank you, Lord. I want you to give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Come on, clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. God, we are humble. We are humble. We are humble. God, we are humble. 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 Listen, tonight. Tonight. I know that a man, a woman on this ground is going to walk places in the spirit tonight. God is going to amaze you. In the name of Jesus. Receive it. 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 In Jesus' mighty name. Say amen. Now I want you to listen. If you're here and you're not born again, don't move out. We want to see this. If you're not here, sorry, if you're here and you're not born again and you want to give your life to Jesus, put up your hand where you are. Say, I want to be born again today. Where are you? Come. If you're put up, come, come. Come. If you want Jesus today, come. Come, my friend, come. Just walk here. Just walk here. Oh, thank you, Lord. If today you realized that you are not born again and you feel today you want to seriously be born again, come. Again today, 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 I'm receiving him today. Come, there are more people. Come, 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 come. Say, I want Jesus today. I want Jesus today. If you're there, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come, 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 come. There is a harvest there. Come. Come. There's somebody there coming. Come. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come. 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 Is he coming to become born again? Is he coming? 
and we are going to pray for him. And God is going to heal him too. Come, everyone, come. Hurry, 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 hurry. Let them they space here. They space here. They space here. They space here. They space. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. All right. Those of you who have come, listen. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died and rose again. And from today, your Savior and Lord of my life. Amen. Wow. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.